I like to say that eventually your body tells you what's happening. You know, I think you get up to a breaking point where you're pretending you're going along with the rules, you're defaulting into the program that's been laid out for you, and then it catches up to you. Then you get the autoimmune disorder, you get the hair falling out, you get the gut problems, and your body's like, you know, slow down. This isn't working. Welcome to the Big Kid Problems Podcast, based on the comedic social channel all about not wanting to be an adult. I'm your host, Sarah Merrill, the writer, creator, and pretty normal human behind the popular Instagram, Twitter, blog, and now podcast, Big Kid Problems. So I've spent the last almost decade making jokes about navigating the adult world. And as I've gotten older, I've realized that no matter what your age is, we all have big kid problems. We're all just trying to figure it out. And you know what? That's okay. So each week, we're going to take a funny yet informative look at a specific struggle or big kid problem, if you will. Then we'll break it down with a rotating cast of comedians, personalities, and experts to actually give us the tools and resources to help us solve our big kid problem of the week. From love and relationships, money, career, physical and mental health, bad decisions, and just general life responsibilities, nothing is off limits. So thank you so much for joining me as we navigate adulthood together. Sit back, relax, and enjoy the show. Hi, guys. Welcome back to another week and another episode of the Big Kid Problems podcast. I'm your host, Sarah Merrill. If you're new to the show, welcome. My longtime listeners, welcome back. I am so excited to have you here this week. We have truly such an amazing guest and such a good episode for you this week. Mayho Malfino is in the house and she is the author of Break the Good Girl Myth, How to Dismantle Outdated Rules, Unleash Your Power, and Design a More Purposeful Life. I got my hands on a copy of this book a few months ago, and I knew I had to have Mayho on. She dives into all the rules we've unconsciously been taught as little girls and how they manifest into our lives as women. It's amazing when we start digging into this stuff, like just how deeply some of our programming runs and how it ultimately holds us back. Mayho is going to break down some of these programs or good girl myths, as she likes to put it, and help us break free from the invisible cages we put ourselves in so we can reclaim our power. Because we are all so capable of incredible things. And a lot of the times, we are the ones who hold ourselves back the most. Well, not on my watch. (laughs) I love this episode so much. And if you guys enjoy this one, please make sure to share it with your friends, pass it to your girl crew, post it on your stories. And if you do, tag me, tag Mayho, so we can repost you. All right. Without further ado, I say we just jump right into this one, folks. So get comfy and we will be right back. Real quick, what would you do if I said you could lower your stress by 32% in a month's time? Seems like a no-brainer, right? What if you could also increase your focus, get better sleep, and overall just improve your mood? Well, I'm here to tell you it's possible with Headspace. 
Headspace is your daily dose of mindfulness in the form of guided meditations and an easy to use app. If you've tried meditation before and just didn't feel like it worked, or maybe you just don't think you had the time, Headspace is here to make meditation and mindfulness simple. I had those exact same thoughts when I first started meditating. I'm like, I barely have time for all the things in my life and you want me to add more things? Ridiculous. But Headspace makes it easy to build a meditation practice on your own schedule, even if it's just for 10 minutes a day. Guys, think of all the time you spend aimlessly scrolling on Instagram. 10 minutes a day is totally doable. And I have to say, adding a meditation practice to my life has been such a game changer. I feel like I just react to situations better. So whatever the situation, Headspace really can help you feel better. Whether you're overwhelmed or just need some help falling asleep, Headspace has a meditation for you. For my parents out there, Headspace even has morning meditations you can do with your kids. It is one of the only meditation apps advancing the field of mindfulness and meditation through clinically validated research. It's backed by 25 published studies on its benefits, 600,000 five-star reviews, and over 60 million downloads. You deserve to feel happier and Headspace is meditation made simple. Go to headspace.com slash big kid. That's headspace.com slash big kid for a free one month trial with access to Headspace's full library of meditations for every situation. This is the best deal offered right now. So again, just head to headspace.com slash big kid today. All right. Maho is in the house. Girlfriend, welcome to the show. I am so excited to have you. Thanks, Sarah. Excited to be here. Yeah. So you, I mean, I got a copy of your book. Yeah. Break the Good Girl Myth. Mm-hmm. How to Dismantle Outdated Rules, Unleash Your Power, and Design a More Purposeful Life. This is no joke. This is awesome. Mm-hmm. Congratulations. Thank you so much. I would love to kind of like, before we even get into things, like for my audience, tell us a little bit about you. Tell us a little bit about this book, like how you kind of came up with this concept and why you wanted to run with it. Totally. So I'm that typical good girl growing up. I'm a daughter of immigrants. All I wanted to do was fit in, get straight A's, win the spelling bee. I played classical piano, did jazz ballet, like you name it. I was just like, so desperate to prove that I was good growing up and was that like high achiever, you know, and went to the best schools and all of that. And that eventually worked when I was in the system. But when I graduated, it caught up to me. And in my early 20s, I had this very intense kind of existential moment where I was like, what's my purpose? What am I here really to do on this planet? And I just remember being at my corporate job, looking in the elevator mirrors and feeling like I was wearing a costume, feeling like the blazer I was wearing was suffocating me, was, you know, itchy. I just wanted to take it off. Like everything about me when I was looking at myself, like I didn't recognize myself. And it was this moment of being like, I've been playing pretend, basically. Um, I've been playing this role. I've been playing this role my whole life. And and just like a costume, just like a role, I can take it off. And it was this moment of like opening up my awareness to see that I had choice to live a different way. And from there, I like to say, I spent a decade deconditioning what I picked up and learned from ages 1 to 18. Uh, and that's been a process of unfolding 
that now I support other women in through my coaching practice, through my book, through my podcast, and all the things. All the things. I love how you say you have that like existential crisis in your 20s. I feel like it's so funny. Like, I mean, I obviously had that too. That's why I'm like making memes on the internet uh, for a living. And I, the more like women that I talk to on this podcast, it's just like, it's such like a, like a thing. Like, mm-hmm. I feel like so many of us go through that like quarter life oh. crisis situation. We're just like, what am I doing? I like to say that eventually your body, uh, tells you what's happening. You know, I think you get up to a breaking point where you're pretending you're going along with the rules, you're defaulting into the program that's been laid out for you, and then it catches up to you. Then you get the autoimmune disorder, you get the hair falling out, you get the gut problems, and your body's like, you know, slow down. This isn't working. So the first place to look for, I think, a lot of us is our bodies, you know, telling us, mm-mm. And for me, you know, I broke out on my skin. I, I lost a lot of weight. Like there was something like deeply wrong, you know? And I, th- I think we all hit that breaking point. I think it's common because you get to that point where you're like, something needs to change. And if you're in that place, if you're listening and you're in that place, I just want you to know as uncomfortable as it is, it's actually a really great place to be because it's, it means you are going to be turning a page soon. It means you're going to be moving through some kind of transformation. And, and so I think this like uncomfortable place is actually a really, really good place to be. That's a, that's a great way to look at it. You got to almost like hit rock bottom before you start going, going back up. I kind of like that. So you, I mean, obviously you wrote this book about good girl myths and you mentioned that you, you grew up as like your quintessential good girl. I'm curious, like before we even get into jumping into like what those myths are, like why like you talk about programming and like, where do you think we even get these myths to begin with? Yeah, such a great question. In the first chapter of the book, I laid out like, okay, we're born into a culture. We're born into a society that we didn't get to choose, but here it is. And one of the oldest cultural systems that we're born into as women is called the patriarchy. And sometimes when women hear that word patriarchy, they think it's like radical or maybe it's like too feminist, but it's actually just describing the state of the world, which is that currently all over the world, it's a global phenomenon, invisible and invisible ways. So in both visible and invisible ways, we privilege men over women and other genders. This is like men still have as much as we like, don't want to admit it. And as much as we want to be like, oh, we went through the women's liberation movement. We've made so many advances, so much progress. Men still hold the major political, cultural decision-making power in this world. And so right away, right off the bat, you're kind of born into the world where you're, you see that you're second place. Now, if you're a woman of color, it's even more severe, right? You're like in the, in the echelon, in the ladder of things, you're already told that you're quite at the bottom. And so it's it's a process of learning how to reclaim your power, reclaim your self-worth in a world that kind of tells you you're less than. And one of the ways that we survive in the patriarchy is we develop the good girl archetype. So it's a protective mechanism. That's how I describe it. It's a way that helps us feel safe and loved. 
but that's ultimately disempowering. It's a way that we think like, okay, if I just don't rock the boat, if I just go along with this program, if I'm harmonious, if I'm sacrificing, you know, I'll be okay. I'll be safe. And so it's a way you assimilate, right? But there is a price we pay when we assimilate. There's a price that's steep. Uh, There is a way that that is ultimately disempowering to us. So that's the foundation of the argument in the book. Born into, you know, we're born into the patriarchy. We develop this this self defense mechanism, and these are the ways that it that plays out. Yeah, and it's so interesting when we get into this because it is like it's so much of what it's just so deeply ingrained in us mm-hmm. that it can be really hard to even acknowledge. Like, uh, oh yeah, I'm actually operating in this way. So. To kind of like, I, I want to make sure the audience sticks with us. I feel like we should go through some of these myths so that maybe those of us listening can be like, can see where we resonate with. Yeah, I'm so glad you brought that up because the more that I talk about the book, the more I'm realizing that some women are like, oh, but I wasn't that good girl growing up. And I'm like, huh, interesting. So there's some segment of women who like read the book and they're like, oh my God, Maho, I was that girl that was like, did classical ballet or like was trying to be the best at everything. And then there's some who are like, oh, I was the rebel or the cool girl or like I didn't go along with it. But so if that's you and you're listening and you don't think you are you grew up as a good girl, I just want to assure you, like when we go through the good girl myths, like Sarah said, they're so universal. You're going to see yourself reflected in at least, well, I think all of them, but at least one or two of them are going to really feel like, okay, yeah, that's a huge... Thing that I have that I need to um, overcome in order to step into my power. So the, there are five. The first is, I'm just going to list them out and then we can dig into them. So, yeah. The myth of rules, the myth of perfection, the myth of logic, the myth of harmony, and the myth of sacrifice. So these are the five good girl myths that I have observed in thousands of women, podcast listeners, coaching clients, um, even uh, women who've come onto the podcast as guests. Uh, hmm. These are the five that I have seen uh, have come up again and again. Oh, wow. Uh, that's so funny. I'm like, I wonder if you can guess mine. <laughs> well, yeah. Do you, can you... Yeah. Can, do you, can you just like now, like when you're just talking like in random conversation with chicks, can you be like, oh, I know they're... I know like their operating system basically. A little bit. Like I, I would need to like ask you some questions to really get a sense for it. But well, you're you're an entrepreneur, right? Yeah, I, you you could say that. I yes. Guess. <laughs> so I would say that you've broken rules, right? In some ways, because like in order to do, to be able to embrace business or entrepreneurship, to some degree, you've had to like break out of the mold, right? Because you're not working in corporate. You're not like so. I probably I wouldn't say rules, right? Um, are you someone who uh, listens to your gut a lot? I try to. Uh-huh. I tried to. <laughs> yeah. I, I get like um sidetracked between my gut and my anxiety. Like I have to like always take a step back and be like, all right, wh- which one's talking to me right now? Mm-hmm. And then with the memes and everything you put online, you seem like you're okay to like ruffle some feathers and like say some things that might get some criticism or backlash, right? You'd think so. But like it, that is like a persona. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like it's not me saying it. <laughs> mm, okay. It's the persona of big kid problems. Mm-hmm. Okay. So you have yeah. built this brand in order to be like, okay, I can say whatever I want under this persona. Right. Because it's, it's not me. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So maybe there's some harmony in there. 
are you someone who, when you t- take care of yourself, do you feel guilty and like it's selfish? No, okay. opposite. So I you, am like big on like taking care of myself. Okay, so I would say but you, you're probably a perfection harmony. Uh, is that right? Oh my God, you nailed it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I feel like this is unfair to the audience because we need to tell them like what <laughs> these things are. But I just like, I already read the book. Like I already, you know, got a sneak peek through the book. So I, I know, but okay. yeah. this is so fun. That's so funny. <laughs> you were able to nail it. That's so great. So in the myth of rules, it's it sounds like if I follow the rules, life's going to be easier. I'm going to get ahead. This looks like the behavior for the myth of rules is you really trust external authority, external opinions, over your own desires, needs, and opinions. So you're always looking outward to like see, is there a rubric? Is there a formula? Is there a way that I can do this? Um, Instead of just trusting yourself. And the powers that are so important to reclaim. So for every good girl myth, there's a specific power to reclaim. For this one, it's your purpose and self-authority. So people who are very, very strong in the good girl myth of rules the thing that they haven't really tapped into is their purpose. What are they really mm. here to do on the planet? Because they're following other ex- other people's expectations and what they feel like they should be doing. Yes. So, so that's, yes. yeah, so that's rules. And so maybe there's some listeners here who can like, okay, kind of see themselves in this. And with all of the good girl myths, they're not like super comfortable to look at. <laughs> you know, um, but that's the point. It's a little bit of like, okay, let's look into these blind spots. Let's do this, this, what I like to call, you know, shadow work of seeing mm-hmm. how we have these tendencies so that we can reclaim our power. It's not about feeling bad about ourselves or feeling shame. It's really about uh, feeling like we, with more awareness, we can make different choices. With them, um, before we move on for the myth of rules, one of the things, because I was like, oh, I don't know if I necessarily, like like you said, I'm not like a huge like rule follower. Like I'm, I, I didn't know if I initially um, responded to this one. But one of the things you mentioned in the book and I was like, oh, I definitely feel this is like when you talk about um, how so many of us, like we think like there's a right and wrong path in life. Mm-hmm. And like that goes that goes deeper into thinking like uh, there if there's a right and a wrong way, there's a yes or a no. And like, I feel like there's been so many times in my life where I've been completely like stuck because and almost just completely, you know, shut down. Cause I'm like, I, I this decision that I'm making for the rest of my life, it, it's like a make or break for the rest of my life. Like it's, it's either like, there's only one right way to do it and I need to figure out which one it is. And it can be like immobilizing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm so glad you brought this up. You're referring to the point point in the book where I talk about reframes uh, and a major reframe we have to do if we have the myth of rules is feeling precious about our path. Like there is this right or wrong way uh, to go about the career path particularly or the work that I need to do in the world. And that creates a fear of moving forward because there's a fear of making mistakes, right? And what I invite the reader to do is to reframe it and not look at it as right or wrong, but to see every every single path you take as a learning opportunity and possibility, um, as a growth, a, a chance, uh, opportunity for your growth, and 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 to let go of this idea that um, there is one right or wrong way. So I think that that's that's big for people with rules because I think. Uh, when we're following rules, we're very much looking t- towards other people to tell us what's right. Mm-hmm. And probably a little bit of like external validation. Mm-hmm. 
And I'm sure it comes from like our parents too. Like I I know like like when I left my corporate job, it was so far against like anything like my mom recognized, you know? Like she's like, wait, no, like you have to do it this way. I just mm-hmm. it's it's an interesting way to think about it. Yeah, you're breaking the mental models that people have of you and want to fit you into. Mm-hmm. You know, and that was for the same for me when I left graduate school and I told my parents who were immigrants, like, I'm not going to go into a corporate job. And they were like, well, what are you going to do instead? I'm like, I'm going to guide women towards their like inner truth. They were, my parents just like stared <laughs> blankly at me. <laughs> they were just like, what are you talking about? But yeah, that, that, that's what's so beautiful about when you break the good girl myth of rules is designing your own path the way you want to, letting it be intersectional and not cookie cutter and fit into one specific box. Mm-hmm. Okay, so let's let's look at some of these other boxes. So we talked about rules. Mm-hmm. Myth of perfection is the next one, which is my primary good girl myth. It's the one that I grapple with day in and day out. And this looks like the tendency to like demand perfection in ourselves and other people instead of just embracing like the messiness of life, mistakes, and also just the reality of how things are. And so if you're someone with this as your primary, it means that you really want to be the best at everything and you also want to be better than others. So there's often a little bit of a competitive edge in this one. And uh, what we want to reclaim in breaking this good girl myth is our authenticity and vulnerability. Like who would we be if we weren't trying to be perfect? Who would we be if we weren't trying to have our stuff together? How many more times would we show up? You know, Because I think a lot of us don't show up to things because it's all or nothing thinking. I can't do it perfectly. I'm not going to do it at all. Um, so those are the powers we need to reclaim with that one. Ooh, yeah. yeah, I can relate to that as well. <laughs> How do you see it play out for you, Sarah? Like in your, if you were to be like brutally honest right now, like what what are some ways like in life areas, either like your relationship, your careers or like your your path? Yeah, I mean, I think about it career-wise just because um, in this career path that I've taken, like I'm like somewhat, I can somewhat be a little bit of a public figure. Like I feel like, and I always, I hate that about this job. Like I always actually, like if you look at my, how I began this platform was mainly hidden. Like I wasn't in front of it at all. I was just writing things and I felt so much more comfortable putting words out than I was putting myself out there. And like now that I've, I keep getting feedback, like the more I've like been growing my platform is like, you need to be in front of it. You need to be in front of it. And I am terrified at being wrong. Like I I hate the idea of like putting myself out there and like saying something that somebody doesn't like or offending someone or just looking foolish. And it like, it can be crippling. Mm -hmm. So for a lot of like the last few years, like I even look at this podcast, like I really wanted, I was, I love podcasts. Like I really wanted to make one. And I was just so nervous to even put my voice out there without it being like perfect. Mm -hmm. And even to this day, like each episode, I'm like, I kind of am like, Mm -hmm. before it goes live, because Mm -hmm. I'm just nervous of the, of the, any kind of fallout. Mm -hmm. (laughs) How do you feel about like putting yourself out on video online? Hate. Yeah. I would say. (laughs) Absolutely hate. Yeah. Yeah. I would say that's the big one for if you are high on the myth of perfection, video is like an edge because you really have to like put your face 
It's like your face and your voice. And it's like, however you look in that moment, <laughs> like that's the way it's going to go, you know? And I think a lot of clients who've had, uh, you know, perfectionism, they'll they'll do like a hundred takes of a video before they post it, right? Because um, mm-hmm. they're really trying to get it so perfect. And they're so terrified of like, oh, you know, it's going to be like, my hair is in my mouth or like whatever, you know? Um, there's like, you know, I have a little dry skin above my thing. You know, there's just like, they're just so afraid of showing flaws, right? Because, and think about what we've been trained to see in, in magazines, in television, film, our whole lives. And even right now with filters, right? It's like, everything's about smoothing out the face, smoothing out, you know, it's almost like the perfectionism thing is getting fed to us even more now. Yeah. It's like showing up as you are is uh, difficult, you know? And I still also, because this is my primary good girl myth, grapple with this and have awareness around this is like the thing that I really need to break. Because what people really want to see is vulnerability. Like people want to see you. People actually do want to see you, you know, relaxed in your PJs and like whatever. Like they want that intimacy. They probably crave that, right? Uh, Like that relatedness, that humanness. But that's almost like the thing we're most terrified of showing. Yeah, no, 100%. I mean, I even see it like with my stuff. I have to actively... That's why I like, I'm excited once we get through these to kind of talk about how to dismantle them mm-hmm. because like, it's one of these things that I, I, I definitely grapple with too. And I, I, I kind of like push myself mm-hmm. to be uncomfortable, um, which I've been able to do, but it's still like, it's, I wonder if there's a better way. <laughs> well, let's, yeah, we can talk about that. Let's go get through them and then, yeah. Okay. So the myth of logic is, you know, best to follow my mind and intellect over my my body and intuition. The, peop- the people who have this or women who really have this as a main one really want to be seen as smart and credible. Maybe they grew up uh, like with intense, like academic rigorous training and like they really want to be seen as not um, woo-woo, not dumb, you know? So it's, it's, it's all about um, following your reason. And the powers to reclaim here, intuition, imagination, and empathy. So that's logic. Um, Harmony is the next one, and it's huge. This is like one that keeps coming up again and again. So this sounds like, if I just go with the flow, avoid being difficult, there won't be any problems. Everyone will just get along. And what this looks like is the tendency to keep harmony instead of embracing the conflict and confrontation we need for change. The, the, what you give up and the power you need to reclaim when you break this good girl myth is your voice and truth. Mm. And that's just so big. I mean, I can't tell you how many women feel locked up in their voices um, and in sharing and saying what they really feel and really think about something because they're terrified of losing a relationship or having that create so much conflict, or they don't want, it's, you know, this feeling of it's such a hassle and I don't want to have yeah. to go through that awkward conversation, you know, um, or, totally. this, or this feeling of that happened, you know, a month ago, like I can't bring it up now, you know, like this feeling of like, let me just let it pass. What's the big deal? hundred mm, percent. And I also feel like now, especially it's even gotten more difficult. I, I just feel like I, the more people I talk to, the more I keep hearing, like, it's so hard to share really anything that you're thinking or feeling because like people, people are so polarized right now. People are like, want to 
put what you're saying in a box. People get offended quickly, and it can be really, it can be really hard. I think that I think it actually goes both ways for men and women. I feel yeah. like everybody kind of feels that right yeah. now. I agree. I think right now we're in an intense time where people feel incentivized to be harmonious. They're like, oh, let me just keep the peace because I don't want everything so polarized right now. So I think it's 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 that's really happening. But I think the question is, is like, what does it cost you when you want to say something and you don't? Mm. Yeah. You know, what do you what happens, you know, to your system? I'm like thinking of this example. Um, oh my God, I don't even know if I should say this. Like the other, this is like a couple of weeks ago when I was like traveling across country. Like we were talking to this this guy who was just like, I don't want to offend. See, now I'm even doing it right now. I'm like, I don't even know if I should tell this story because I might like offend somebody. But um, this guy we were talking to was basically telling us like how masks are a hoax and like how like nobody should wear masks right now. And it's like propaganda and all this stuff. And like in my head, like I wanted... I wanted to say back, like, actually, like, I, th- I think we should probably wear them right now. I don't know. But like, I just, in, in my head, I was like, I do not want to rock the boat. Mm-hmm. It's not worth it. It's not worth it. So I just didn't say anything. Mm-hmm. And how'd that feel? I mean, that's kind of like my MO. Like, I'm, I'm kind of, I'm kind of okay. I don't know. I was just like, I, I, afterwards, I did, I felt a little guilty in a weird way, mm-hmm. I would say. Like, I was like, this is, I actually maybe could have shared some information. I don't know. I, it, it felt, it was like a weird, uncomfortable feeling afterwards. Mm-hmm. You know, for the, for that situation, I'd be curious to know what your relationship was with this person. Is this someone that you wanted to continue to be friends with? Um, like that's the thing. Like, I don't really know them that well. Like I was, it was like a first time meeting. Mm. I liked, I liked this person. Like I was like, this, this guy is a good dude. Like I can see a lot of other positive qualities about them. Mm -hmm. Um, but I'm not close to them. Probably won't be close to them, but. Were they in a position of power? Like, did they have some kind of influence, power, wealth? Um, yeah, a little, like probably a little bit. Because mm-hmm. they were like, we were on their ter- territory. Right. Like we were like, you know, it was, mm-hmm. was that mm-hmm. kind of situation. Totally. No, get it. I get it completely. So one of the things I like to say is with this one, it's like really asking yourself, like, is this relationship worth me investing in? Uh, do I want this relationship to heal, mature, grow? Right. If I do, then it's probably worth me speaking up. If I don't, right, because this is an acquaintance it might not be worth me doing the the work the, the of speaking up and being uncomfortable. Uh, so I think you have to kind of gauge for yourself where you are. I think for a lot of people though, they're not speaking up to their partners. You know, they're not speaking up to their parents. They're not speaking up to um, their families about difficult difficult things. And so I think that's when it starts to the relationship starts to rot from the inside really and then it gets you know and then it and then it combusts some other way right there's a big rupture breakup a fight right because things weren't discussed along the way so but i i, I feel that i feel that situation that you're in you know you're a guest in, on somebody's territory you know they have some power influence they said something. You're like, should I get into it right now? Like, where is this relationship even going? Maybe you made the right call. Yeah. I think of that too. I'm just like, and I, I think of like um, in the landscape of like 
Instagram comments. Mm-hmm. I don't know why this is just coming to mind. I think I think the other day I just had like people literally fighting with each other mm. in um, my comment section, and I was like, "Why? Like, why? Why are you guys like giving up so much of your energy mm-hmm. to fight with like a complete stranger on the internet?" So I like how you kind of just brought up that. That was like the first thing you measured into the equation was like, "What's my relationship with this person? Like, mm-hmm. do I care? Do I do I want growth mm-hmm. in this relationship?" I feel like that's like a really important first thing to ask yourself. Totally. Yep. I like it. All right. Final good girl myth: the myth of sacrifice. I should prioritize the needs of others before my own. This isn't usually problematic, except we do it at the expense of our own self-care and well-being. That's when it gets to be an issue. So this is like, I want to be selfless. I want to be helpful. Often uh, for some women, it's I want to save the day and fix this other person's problem. And um, the powers we need to reclaim when we break this good girl myth is our time and energy which add up to our contribution and destiny. So this is really about boundaries, <laughs> you know, because uh, when we are under the spell of this good girl myth, we're giving, we're giving, and we're not putting boundaries around our own time and energy. And that might not seem like a big deal day to day. Like it might not seem like a big deal on a Monday, but it adds up and it compounds over time until the next mm. thing you know, you did not follow your dreams, your goals, your career, the thing you really wanted to do because you're so busy uh, supporting other people in their dreams and their goals. Ooh, yeah, that compounding effect is a little scary. I feel like I, I feel like this is probably a big one for like moms. Yeah, this is a big one for moms and the older generation, like um, baby boomers. I see this a lot in the baby boomers. Um, yeah, definitely. And I think, you know, I share the story of my own mother who was an immigrant and incredible woman who, you know, sacrificed her career to basically follow my father's career and support family life, which was so beautiful. I'm so grateful to her. And, you know, I think, you know, there's some feeling of, you know, she expressed to me some anger, some resentment of like, why did I do that? I feel like I defaulted into it and I didn't really choose it because that's just what women did in the 70s in Argentina. Mm-hmm. You know, um, that's just what we did. We didn't even pause to think about another way. Yeah, that's so crazy. Do you feel like that might be changing with our generation? I do, I do, and I hope. I think we're seeing more models of um, marriages where, you know, there's co-parenting and mm-hmm. obviously uh, now with business and entrepreneurship, women are being able to have flexible work schedules, but also make an income and often make an income without a ceiling, which is really exciting. Um, so I think that it is starting to change. We're putting all these outdated rules and good girl myths to bed this week. And speaking of bed, if you're trying to get a better night's sleep, it's time to try a Helix mattress. Real talk, how are you sleeping these days? If your answer is not well, bitch, well, you deserve better than that. Helix was awarded the number one best overall mattress pick of 2020 by GQ and Wired Magazine. And what makes people go crazy for them is that they match your body type and sleep preferences to find the perfect mattress for you. 
Everybody's unique and Helix knows that. So they have several different mattress models to choose from, like soft, medium, and firm mattresses. Mattress is great for cooling you down if you sleep hot. And even a Helix Plus mattress for plus-size folks. So all you have to do is just take their handy-dandy two-minute quiz. And if you sleep next to a partner, have them take it too. And it's going to narrow down all those options to find the perfect fit for you both. I don't know if any of you have been to a mattress store recently. Uh, Brandon and I went about a year ago when we moved to Nashville. And the choices were so overwhelming. Like I was laying on a bunch of different mattresses, which now in COVID times feels kind of icky. So I love that Helix just took the guesswork out of it for us and paired us with the Midnight Lux style. We're both sleeping better, disturbing each other less. And really the only problem is that it's freaking hard to get out of that thing in the morning. I mean, good God, I've really gotten bad at sleeping through my alarms. It's kind of a problem. I also really love the convenience of Helix. The mattress ships in a box to your door, faux free. So I never have to go lay on test mattresses at a mattress store ever again. They have a 10 year warranty and you can try it out for a hundred nights, risk-free. They'll even pick it up for you if you don't absolutely love it. But I have a feeling that you will. As a partner of this podcast, Helix is exclusively offering our listeners up to $200 off all mattress orders and two free pillows at helixsleep.com slash big kid. Take advantage, guys. Beds can be expensive. So again, just head to helixsleep.com slash big kid and start getting a better night's sleep today. I feel like so many of us too maybe looked at our parents' generation and we're like, this doesn't work. Like this isn't, like maybe we saw all those self-sacrifices and I don't know, I feel like now, at least at least I feel that way. I'm like, I feel like there's a, a better way. Yeah. There's, yeah, there's some, it's interesting. Even I've spoken to some women our age, millennials who still have the myth of sacrifice, it depends on how you reacted to seeing your mother often. Um, some women, if their mother was very self-sacrificing, they model after her. Mm. And some actually do the opposite, right? Which is my case, which is like, I saw my mom sacrifice so much. I was like, I'm never going to do that, right? And it's <laughs> almost like I swing into the opposite realm and, you know, I have to almost That's kind of like, how I feel too. I think mm-hmm. I did the pendulum swing. Yep. <laughs> Yeah. And so, you know, some of your listeners are going to be like, okay, I see that I, uh, you know, modeled after my mom and, 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 or your primary caretaker. It's really, this good girl myth is the most multi-generational. It's the one that really comes from how we saw other women give to others in their roles and duties as mother, sister-in-law, parent, partner, you know? It's it. That's what this one's about. Yeah, mm-hmm. I feel like I'm like I I haven't stepped into the like wife and mother shoes yet, but maybe when I do, am I you know maybe this this it's when this crops up. Yeah, that's the thing with the good girl myths. They're also they're not fixed personality traits. It's not like um, the enneagram or human design. These are tendencies that change over the course of our life. So right now you might be really high on perfection and harmony. Later in life, you might see sacrifice come up. You know, for some women, you know, later in life, they realize that rules, you know, they're in their 50s and 60s and they wake up to, wow, myth of rules. That's really what I've been on. So it just, Mm -hmm. it depends. Also, it changes with context and phase of life. 
And I really wanted them to be flexible like that. I didn't want women to feel like they were uh, somehow part of their identity, more a part of their conditioning. Right. That's a big distinction. Yeah. And because it's part of our conditioning, I think it's really interesting how you break down how to like, uh, not decondition is the word decondition or uncondition. Yeah. Decondition. Uh, yeah. Decondition out of these. So I feel like maybe we should go through that a little bit and say like, okay, if you're really relating to one of these, like, how do you, how do you get out of it? Yeah. Well, which one do you want to dig into? You feel like curious oh. about or. Mm-hmm. I th- I'm thinking, I'm thinking more harmony, more of the harmony one. Mm-hmm. I, I definitely, that's just, been, uh, that's some, that's just on my mind right now. Cause I've just, I feel like I've been seeing this a lot, mm-hmm. not just in myself, but in a lot of people that I've come in contact with. Totally. So the, t- the main tools that I propose in the chapter on harmony, one is called nonviolent communication. It's this beautiful framework. It's been around for decades. It's four steps. And it really helps you speak up and specifically give someone feedback. So let's say you're in a situation with someone, they've triggered you. In that situation, you're almost too reactive to say anything. So you find that you go into silence. Later, you might find, oh, you're beating yourself up. Like, why didn't I say anything, right? Wait, can you give give the tattoo story that you gave in the book? (laughs) Yeah, sure. (laughs) Because I read that and I was like, oh my God, like... I related to it, not on this extreme level, but I feel like you just, you have to tell the, tell the people. Totally. So I was in a toxic relationship in my early twenties and I was in college and my boyfriend at the time was super into tattoos. He was, had a lot of them. And so he kind of wanted me to get a tattoo with his initials on it. And he kept pressing me about it. He was so deeply insecure that that was his way of being like, this will prove to me that you love me forever. Um, so, you know, I uh, tried to handle that. Wasn't sure how. I was always a little afraid that if I told him that wasn't the case, he would like lose his shit, you know? So I um, I decided, okay, I'll get a tattoo and I'll put his initials on it. And I went, I got this, uh, I went to the parlor. He decided immediately once we got into the tattoo parlor, he decides to go get inked himself. So he kind of abandons me. He's like, I'm not going to be by your side for this experience. I'm piecing out. Um, and I think that would have been the first moment for me to use my voice and speak up and say, hey, I really want you by my side. But I didn't say anything. Again, totally under the myth of harmony. And then the tattoo artist comes back. She literally doodles something in like five to 10 minutes. She comes back with this illustration she made of a fan because that's what I wanted on the tattoo to be. And, you know, she didn't spend that much time on it. And I feel like it wasn't like the best illustration, but I didn't know how to tell her because I didn't want to offend her artistic sensibilities. So I kind of was just like, okay, you know, (sighs) again, this is something I'm going to tattoo on my body. (laughs) And I think (laughs) your listeners have probably been, can like empathize with the situation where you're like, in that moment, in your head, you're just like, should I say something? And you're like, okay, I'll just... But you're like, just kind of going with it, right? You're just flowing with it. <laughs> um, I've done this with like... I've done this with like the waitress will bring me like the wrong order. Yes. And I'll like grapple with that. And I'll be like, no, I'll just suck it up and eat it. But <laughs> the tattoo, it's like, damn. Damn, I know. So uh, she puts it on my body, puts his initials on. He comes back. I'm like, did you get my initials on your body? He's like, no. I'm like, this is terrible. So I go home. I'm like, I have this ugly tattoo on me with his initials on my my body. And his initials were in the book. 
<laughs> I write F U. Um, those aren't his re- his real initials, but his real initials were similarly absurd. Like you'd be like, "What? Why would you want that tattooed on you?" <laughs> and um, and I just had this moment of deep shame, you know, of like, "What did I do?" Um, I felt like I was like damaged goods, you know, and then and it was dramatic. I had a like very dramatic kind of. But it was it was more uh, it was more symbolic for the feeling that I had of being trapped in this toxic relationship and not knowing how to get out. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I think and oh, probably like noticing immediately, like I had the opportunity to use my voice and I didn't. Yeah, yeah, that's hard. I feel like so many of us have situations where that's happened before. Yeah, and I think that's like on a micro level and a situational level. That's how the myth of harmony plays up plays out. But on a bigger level, the way it plays out is that you have people in your life that are draining your energy (laughs) Hmm. and you haven't cut them out. You haven't done the hard work to snip. And whether it's get out of the toxic relationship, partnership, whether it's you've outgrown a friendship and it's time to say goodbye, whether it's you need to set a boundary with a parent, they can no longer participate in your life in a certain way. What are the things we need to do, right? If you're under the myth of harmony, you're just kind of dragging those relationships along and it's costing you. Mm. So when we talk about dismantling that, I know you mentioned setting boundaries. Mm-hmm. Huge. So one is like, it's for using your voice, practice giving feedback. Because when you are under the myth of harmony, that's the thing you're most afraid to do. You're afraid to give feedback to people. And so using a framework, the four steps of nonviolent communication, for example, where you give, start practicing giving feedback. And you can start that with someone who feels safe to you. Like if you feel really safe with your partner, for example, you could start using the framework. If you feel safe um, with a friend, you can also practice doing what I call debriefs. So a debrief is like, which we never really do. It's really an important concept in like when you do it, when you have a creative project. So thinking like as a, as a designer, for example, after you go through a project together, the team gets together and they debrief what worked well and what didn't work well. What could we do better next time? And there's this like very simple thing, three steps. I like, I wish, how might we? That's a debrief. You can do that in your relationships. And I know it might feel a little contrived, but practice doing it like particular, let's say you just traveled with your partner, right? Hey, mm-hmm. let's debrief about that. What did we love about that experience? What do we wish was different? How might we next time, like in, an invitation, right? To brainstorm ideas or ways to improve next time you guys travel together. So it's like a... Cul- a cul- <laughs> I'm like, I'm like in my head, like trying to like implement this, like how I'm going to, how I'm going to talk to my fiance about leaving towels on the floor. But if you like, I, I wish, Mm -hmm. wish you didn't fucking do that. (laughs) (laughs) And next time. Well, you know what? For something as specific as that, I actually think the other framework I mentioned, non-vio is better. So non-violent communication is stating the fact, stating how you felt stating the unmet need and then making a request. So let's just let's just go through the towel just for example. There's no <laughs> I, love I, know, it. I know that there's a way that you can just be direct with partners and just be like pick up the fucking towel. Um but let's say you really wanted to just 
go through it in a more, um, in a way that was less, hmm, I want to say, uh, controlling, you know, yeah. <laughs> in a way that was just, an, uh, ex- really explaining to someone why it's important. Um, mm-hmm. so let's state the fact. What is the fact? The fact is these wet ass towels <laughs> are getting moldy on the floor and they smell and okay. it's too much. <laughs> okay. Okay. So that's actually not a fact. Uh-huh. Um, the reason that's not a fact is there were a bunch of words in there that were subjective, like I guess smelly, moldy, um, <laughs> right? Wet ass. <laughs> so fact true. is like fact is like stripping away any kind of judgment, anything. It's just literally saying what happened. So when we traveled, you left towels on the bathroom floor. Yep. Yep. Would you say that? Could he argue with you about that? Could he say, no, I didn't? Yes, he somehow manages to do that all the time. <laughs> okay. I'd be like, no, I no, I didn't. I hung it up. And I'll be like, no, I'm pretty sure I, I picked it off the floor and hung it up for you for the 8,000th time. Okay. Okay. <laughs> so he might argue. So then you're having an issue with a fact level where he doesn't even, he's not even aware that he's doing it. Right? Mm-hmm. So it'd have to happen like, you'd have to insert this right well, when the towel's on the floor. Right? So the towel's on the floor. He's... he's He's going to fetch himself a smoothie and you pull him aside and say, hey, I want to tell you something. You left a towel on the floor. Fact, right? He'd look yes. at the towel. Okay, you're on the same page, yeah? Yep. Now, second step, feeling. How does it make you feel? It makes me feel annoyed. <laughs> yep, great. I love that. You're just owning your anger right there, which is really yeah. actually hard for a lot of people with women with myth of harmony. It's hard to own the anger emotion. I felt, I feel annoyed by that. Great. Yeah. Clean. What is the unmet need? What does living in cleanliness give you? Peace of mind. Great. Beautiful. So that's the unmet need is like, I value cleanliness. Because imagine you're explaining this to him. I value cleanly space because it gives me peace of mind. So now he's listening. He's like, okay. Listening. And guys, this is this is an example. Let me tell you, when my fiance listens to this, he's going to be like, are you joking? You leave shit everywhere all the time. This is just wow. an example, guys. This is a hypothetical. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Now the, the last, the last after you've uh, pinpointed your need, the last step is the request. So what is the specific request you're going to make to him? Can you please hang up your towels after you're done using them? Beautiful. And you know, it's, yeah, smiles, (laughs) but it's like, it's clean. It's like, Hey, you left a towel on the floor. I feel annoyed. I really value clean space. It gives me peace of mind. Can you hang up your towels? Yeah, that's good. I like this framework situation. <laughs> Frameworks work, man. As a coach, yeah, I'm and this all is an them. easy one. This is like an easy one. The towel, like I feel like, oh yeah. But for some of these more difficult conversations, like wow, this would be really helpful. Mm-hmm. Oh, I've run through this with, in, you know, when you've been deeply triggered, you mm-hmm. know, and you want to really say what's going on, and it works across context, relationship, work situations, family. Yes. 
I, I think that is a very important framework. I might actually write that out in our show notes for anybody who wants to go back. Cause that's like the kind of like learner I am. Mm-hmm. Um, I need to, I need to like see it visually, but I actually think that is like such an easy way to organize your thoughts, especially for some of us probably with harmony. Cause I know I struggle with this. Like it can be hard to even like, like you said, like break down what it is that is like the core issue for you. Like why you're, getting upset. Yeah. And and it's hard to isolate own feelings. It's Mm -hmm. difficult to pinpoint needs because it helps you clarify that. And also for those of us still finding our voice, articulate the request, you know, and feel that we are worthy of that request. We're worthy to make that request because for some of us, it's hard to even make that, to um, own what we want and say what we want, you know? Mm Mm-hmm. And so it's it's a good it's a good framework to run through and practice and I recommend always scripting it out and then practice role playing it with a friend before you actually go through it with the real person. Yeah, I love this. Um, okay, can we do one more? Yeah, of course. <laughs> and I, I'm trying to go through some of these myths that I feel like we we may have talked about just on this podcast before. And I feel like the myth of rules. I kind of would love to dismantle that one because that is that is one that I I feel like is very relatable to a lot of people. And like you said, that was like a a primary one for you. Yeah. So uh, the reason so many of us are under the myth of rules is because we define success outward in. So we have external definitions of success instead of internal definitions of success. So in order for us to redefine success for ourselves and break this, we need to figure out what gives us meaning. And there are a few ways in the book that I outline that you can go through to find out what really gives you meaning. You know, a lot of it comes from positive psychology. What puts you in a flow state, for example? That's going to help unearth your meaning. What have been the biggest challenges in your life? That's going to help you unearth meaning. And another is in that chapter, I give access to the death meditation. Now, the death meditation might sound really scary, especially right now and everything we're going through, but there's a way that you can cozy up to death in a friendly way, in a way that you can actually project yourself into the future, imagine what it would be like to be at your funeral and what you would like to have said about you. It's a beautiful meditation. It's a beautiful visualization and helps you access what do you really care about? You know, Mm -hmm. and I think there's something about getting close to death that makes it very clarifying. It's a very clarifying process because when you find out that you might die in a year, find out you might die in six months. Suddenly it's like, what do I really care to leave behind? What really matters to me? Because so much, of, so many of us listening live our lives like we're going to live forever. Mm-hmm. And that's that why we're- That is a in, huge one. Yeah, it's a huge one. That's why we're in the corporate job because it's like, oh, well, I'm going to live forever. So I'm just in this corporate job that makes me miserable. And like, I'm because you're literally under the illusion that you have some immortality. But if I were to tell you that you could die in a few months, what would you care to do? Yeah, that is a big thing to get clear about. Mm-hmm. What would you say was like the biggest like eye opener for you or like time that you had to, like you noticed that you were kind of trapped in this fool's myth? I think for me, it was really when I was in that second job, I was working at a lab, uh, crunching data in like this windowless room. And I was just like, why am I doing this? You know, like I'm 
not in a flow state. I'm not doing anything that gives me pleasure, happiness. Like, whose success metric am I following? And it became very clear when I asked that question that it was my father's because he was a biomedical researcher. And when I was able to isolate that, I was like, okay, I created some distance, you know? Yeah. And I was like, I need to, I need to redefine what this, what I really care about. Yeah. I, I feel like that's very relatable. Mm-hmm. Have you ever like in your own personal life broken any major... I mean, obviously you left the corporate world and started doing this as your passion, but any other like instances of rule breaking that mm-hmm. come to mind? Yeah. So, I mean, I've... One of the things I talk about in the book is my journey with psychedelics. So I've, you know, LSD was a huge, huge friend on my journey (laughs) Um, that really helped open up my mind and heart to uh, living a different way. Mm. And, and um, so really grateful. I think if you, if you use certain, these substances in a mindful, sacred way, they open you up in powerful ways. You know, I share about ayahuasca myth of, in the myth of logic. So I've definitely done substances like that, you know, you're not supposed to do, you know, that have really supported me, you know, some, some I've obviously done recreationally too, but. (laughs) (laughs) But, I love it. That's not where I thought this was going and I'm here for it. You're here for it? it? Okay, cool. I'm so here for it. I think I want to do an entire episode on psychedelics. They're very powerful. If they're, if they're used in the right way and now research has come out and I mean, now there's um, psychedelic assisted therapy. Uh, Michael Pollan has a book, How to Change Your Mind. Like there's just, it, they're, they're, they're friends it's a on lot the path. of cool stuff. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, a lot of cool stuff happening there. I was trying to tee you up to tell the story of how you proposed to your um, husband. <laughs> oh yeah, that's another one. Yeah, I proposed to my husband. That was breaking a, a, a flipping a, a, a gender script, you know? Yeah. Um, where I was like, I loved that when I read that. I was like, hell yeah. But that's just one of those things. There's like, there's so many little rules that we all think that we need to follow. Mm-hmm. And that was, that's like a big one that I know before I got engaged, I was like, I, I hated the idea that I had to wait. Like, I'm like, I have to wait for somebody to add, you know, I have mm-hmm. to wait on somebody else's timeline. There, there's just so many little like, weird little nuanced rules that I think all of us are just, it's just so deeply ingrained in us. Yeah, they're so invisible. That's why in the chapter, I have this whole checklist where it's like, go through all the major systems in your life, like family, uh, school, religion, pop culture, and like list out all the implicit messages you got from these systems. One of them in family would be like, you know, a man should propose to me. You know, like that would be like a script that we inherit from society, but also movies, pop culture. Like in every movie, you know, it's the guy in every rom-com, it's the guy who does the like confessional love scene, right? At the Mm -hmm. end, who he finally like confesses how much he loves her. Um, We all wait for that moment. It's like the climax in that romantic comedy that has been scripted literally for us. Literally a script that that we play out in our lives. Yep. Yep. So I I love the idea of breaking more of these myths. If anybody in our audience wants to learn how to do more of this for themselves, like we will we, we, a maybe give us like one like other piece of advice or somewhere to start, and then tell us where we can get more from you because obviously mm-hmm. they would need this book. Mm-hmm. <laughs> 
Yeah, I really think um, starting with just becoming aware of those invisible rules we talked about. So taking out a piece of paper and writing out all the I shoulds that you have in your life. I should be this, I should be that. I should, and just looking at that list brings some awareness. Because I like to say, you can't break out of a cage you don't see. Mm. So look at the cage. That's one piece of advice I'd give. And the second is you can find the book at goodgirlmyth.com. In chapter three, there's the assessment where you can find out where you score on all the five myths and which one is your dominant one. Love it. Love it. (laughs) Well, thank you so, so much for hanging out with us today and telling us more about this. And we can't wait to hear more from you. Thanks, Sarah. Thanks for having me. All right, guys, that is a wrap on our episode this week. I hope you enjoyed this one. I hope you got a little insight into your own good girl myths and are already ready to bust that shit wide open. If you want to continue the convo, come hang out in the Big Kid Problems Facebook group. I'd love to hear what your myths are or what you thought of this episode. So come hang out. It's a nice, safe space in the corner of the internet. I want to thank Mayho Malfino for being on our show this week. I'm going to link all her stuff and we'll include her book on the Big Kid Problems Amazon list, which is also linked in show notes. Some of you are just discovering our Amazon list and loving it. It's basically every book we've talked about on the show, even if a guest mentions a book that inspired them or changed their life. I add it to this list. So now it's just a great resource if you're looking for some new reads. Check it out. I want to also thank you for tuning into the show this week. I know there are a ton of podcasts out there. So just know that I am really honored you choose to spend your hour with me. If you haven't done so already, this would be a really good time to hit those five stars and even leave a one or two sentence review if you can. It takes less than a minute and really does help the show grow. I also read every single review. So just know I really appreciate it when you guys take the time to do that. So thank you. I hope you all have an awesome week and I hope to see you back here next week for a brand new episode. Until then, I will see you next Tuesday.